Welcome in everyone to episode 126 of the Batfoot Podcast. My name is Damien here with David and Matt. And this week we're going to court. We're going to the first quarter of baseball season superlatives court. Matt and David will make their arguments for best player, best starting pitcher, best relief pitcher, and so on and so forth. And I'll make the decision on who made the better argument. But before we get into all that, David, how are you doing this week? I'm doing all right. You know, I had a bit of a worse week. Seems that uh, as as my out of podcast life goes, the Cubs season also goes because they've been down bad this week as well. So uh, hopefully it all turns back right and, and we're going again uh, good this week. So, uh, Matt, how you doing this week? I'm doing pretty good. Um, had a had a pretty nice week. Uh, my team also had a really bad week last week. I think they went I think the, the Braves went one in five last week. Um, but then. Um, you know, I did, my personal life wasn't the same way, so I hate to hear that you didn't have a great week, David. But um, I, uh, I'm actually pretty excited. I'm, I'm going to be out next week. I'm going to going on a trip to Hawaii, so it'll be a, a lot of fun. And uh, so uh, I'll, y'all will be missing me next week. But uh, but yeah, everything's been good. Um, just uh, watching a little bit of baseball, other sports. Uh, you know, the basketball playoffs have been pretty fun. Uh, the hockey playoffs have been pretty fun. So, uh, and watching my Braves every night. Uh, yeah, been a lot of good stuff. But uh, how are you doing, Damian? Well, while your guys' sports teams have been flailing, uh, both of mine have been doing really well. The Lakers are in the uh, conference finals. Actually, the game's on right now as we're recording. So if I seem a little distracted, I'm sorry. Uh, and then the Dodgers have just continued to uh, make the Padres pay for deciding to put a crying Clayton Kershaw on the video board. So you can't complain about that. But other than that, life's been, life's been pretty good this week. And uh, I'm excited to uh, to go into this and see if you guys can make some arguments to convince me that your guys' players are, uh, are the better of the two. So uh, let's go ahead and jump over to – we'll go ahead and start with the best player so far this year. And we're leaving Shohei Otani out of this because I think you could just put him in his own category for pretty much anything and he's going to win. Uh, but David, who did you pick? And keep about sixty seconds on your argument for who your player is. Yeah, so I I jumped the gun on Matt. I I wanted to do this, force Matt out of his comfort zone. I went with Ronald Acuna Jr. Uh, to go after as my best player of this first quarter. Uh, Acuna has put together an early MVP candidate season. He's nine got nine home runs, but what's maybe more impressive is that he's running a at seventeen stolen bases already, which I believe does lead the major leagues. He's walking exactly as much as he strikes out, and he doesn't lead the major leagues, by the way. It's Estieri Ruiz, second in the majors. He's got a 436 weighted on base average uh, and a 436 on base percentage, meaning that this guy is getting on base 43% of the time, which is just disgusting for a guy who steals bases as much as this guy does. He's got 37 runs, which leads major league baseball. And on top of all that, Right, he's getting a little bit unlucky per expected stats. His ex-woba is 460. Um, there could be another gear in Ronald Acuna Jr. And to this point, he's leading the league in war, at least tied for it. Uh, my early MVP, my best player so far, has been Ronald Acuna Jr., who is the leader of the NL East leading Braves, the leadoff man. I I just think he's he's got a you know another gear in him even. Uh, but they we're finally seeing that kind of MVP player that we saw a couple of years ago from Ronald Acuna. Yeah, I uh, I 
don't like arguing against that. But uh, my guy <laughs> that I picked, uh, I picked Wander Franco. And the reason I picked him is because this guy, is, similarly to Ronald Acuna Jr., was considered like a generational type talent uh, as a prospect. His first two years in the big leagues have been good, but not like insanely good. And this year has been insanely good. He's got a 145 WRC plus. Uh, has 12 stolen bases, seven homers, hitting over 300 at 301, 354 on base, 521 slugging. He's been as advertised as a, at the plate. Um, it, you know, like I said, the base running has been great. And really the, the big separator here for me is while Ronald Acuna's bat's been a little bit better, Wander Franco has been playing an elite defensive shortstop, whereas Ronald Acuna Jr.'s kind of struggled in right field. Uh, his, he's in the first percentile and outs above average, while Wander, Wander Franco has been really good at shortstop. So uh, that kind of cancels out some of that extra value that Ronald Acuna Jr. has had with the bat. I don't like arguing against Ronald Acuna Jr., and I think we're picking both guys who are maybe front runners right now for MVP in each in each league, like, depending on how you view what Shohei's done so far this year is in the American League. But um, but yeah, uh, Wander Franco with that defense and, and base running and plate, just he's done everything well. Whereas Ronald Acuna has done four tools well, but maybe not the fifth. Yeah, both of you guys make intriguing arguments here. Both of these guys, they're tied on war, I think, for top of the league at 2.2 war. Um, you know, obviously Acuna is the like the ideal candidate for all of the rule changes this year. We're taking advantage of it at least. Um, and Wander Franco is really kind of becoming that player that we have always expected him to be. And he's playing that high level, uh, you know, elite shortstop defense for the best team in the league right now. Uh, it's a, it's a tough decision between the two. Uh, but I think right now you probably have to give the edge just to Ronald Acuna. Uh, I think just the ability of what he's able to do with dealing the 17 bases so far, having the 175 WRC plus, even if he's struggling a little bit in right field, I think the impact offensively that he's bringing kind of outweighs the impact that Franco's giving to that, you know, uh, to the Rays defense. So I think David, you win this one. Ronald Acuna Jr. Yeah. I think he's been the best player so far. Woo. I'm not going to argue <laughs> yeah. with that. <laughs> that's, that's fine. <laughs> Listen, you don't know how bad I wanted just to pick Wander Franco to just say that, Ronald didn't win and Matt basically <laughs> made him lose. But uh, anyway, so let's go ahead and jump over to our best starting pitcher so far. So David, who do you have for that? All right, I guess I'll go first again, but I am going to go with the league leader in ERA thus far for the AL central leading Minnesota twins. And that is Sonny Gray, who is currently sitting at a 1.39 ERA so far uh, with a 1.89 FIP. Uh, he's at just at 1.9 wins above replacement, which I mean, starter wins above replacement is a little iffy, but Sonny Gray is showing the vintage uh, curveball, you know, slider, you know, five, six pitch guy that he showed a few years back when he was with the Reds, uh, where he was kind of looking like an, a Cy Young type of pitcher uh, in 2019. You know, he's he, he kind of lost his mojo there for a little bit after, you know, leaving Oakland, but Right now, he's got an elite strikeout rate. He's got elite movement on his pitches. He has yet to allow a home run this season, um, and he's sitting on a really, really strong ERA. For the existing performance that we've seen from him this season, he's been every bit the ace that Minnesota has needed and was looking for when they traded for Pablo Lopez. Um, so in my mind, that means that Sonny Gray, you know, he may not, he may get some regression on that with that home run luck, but 
what we're looking at is this first quarter. And in this first quarter, no pitcher has allowed fewer runs than Sonny Gray. Yeah, I, the, the guy I picked, uh, it's going to be Zach Gallen. And Zach Gallen has been really, really good as well. He has a, you know, he, he has a 235 ERA, uh, but his peripherals are better than Sonny Gray's. He has a 179 FIP, a 255 XFIP compared to Sonny Gray's 312 XFIP, 189 FIP. Uh, but the big thing too is that uh, Zach Gallon has pitched 12 more innings and made an he's made one more start, but he's also that means he's pitching deeper into games as well. So Zach Gallon's a guy who's gone out there several times, thrown six, seven, eight innings, whereas Sonny Gray has been doing it in a little bit less amount of innings and he's walking more guys. And you know Zach Gallon has had you know the the batting average on balls in play uh, has been you know pretty similar for both, but but Zach Gallon has. Um, you know, he's not putting a lot of guys on base with free passes. He hasn't had the same insane home run luck. But at the end of the day, you know, when you throw a pitch, it's, you know, sometimes it's not necessarily the pitcher preventing the run. Sometimes the batter just doesn't doesn't hit very well. And, and not to mention the fact that Sonny Gray is pitching in the AL Central against awful competition, whereas Zach Gallon's pitching against the Padres, the Dodgers, and the – and uh, well, I mean, in the Rockies, which sounds silly, but Coors Field. So um, – and I'm pretty sure Zach Gallon, one of his his only real not great start was at Coors Field too. So um, I think the competition matters, and the fact that he's got more volume matters as well. So uh, backing up your your take there, Matt, um, Zach Gallon in his starts against the Padres and the Dodgers, at least his first two, he gave it five and four there uh, to them. He shut down everyone else basically since then. Uh, Sonny Gray has had a fantastic you know, renaissance so far in Minnesota there. Um, the one thing with Sonny Gray that kind of, you mentioned the, uh, you know, Gallon's going deeper into games. And the thing is, is Gallon's not walking batters as much as Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray's walk rate's 3.1 per nine, where Gallon is 1.26 per nine. Um, you know, walking people less, the strikeout rate's kind of the same, pitching in a tougher division, going deeper into games. I think this one is is a Zach Gallon. Um, I think I'm going to go towards Zach Gallon here. So we're one and one so far, and you guys make an argument. So it's uh, getting pretty, pretty interesting on that point. But uh, let's go ahead and jump over to our best relief pitcher so far, and we'll go ahead and start with Matt on this one. Yeah, so uh, my best relief pitcher so far is uh, Yenier Cano. I'm not 100% sure if I'm saying that right, but his first name. But uh, I know the last name is Cano, and he has been extremely good this year. Um, he has yet to give up a run in 19 and two-thirds innings, or an earned run at least. And he has yet to walk a guy in 19 and two-thirds innings. And walks were his problem in the past. Last year in uh, at the uh, – at uh, in, in between two teams, between – uh, Baltimore and I believe Minnesota. Um, he had eight walks per nine. Uh, that's been his struggle in the past. Well, this year, no walks in 19 innings, zero ERA, and the peripherals a 122 FIP, 171 X FIP. He's already put up 1.2 WAR, which is would be pretty high up on the leaderboards for starting pitchers. This guy is insane. He's gone multiple innings several times. He's he's pitched in 15 games, 19 and two thirds innings. Um, you know, he only has a few saves, but they also have Felix Bautista, who was kind of the incumbent closer. So, you know, he's not going to get a ton of saves because of that. But, man, this guy's awesome. And uh, it's been fun to watch him. I watched him a couple weeks ago uh, against the Braves, and he is lights out. And it's been fun to watch. For relief pitchers, it's a little bit tough because 
you know, relievers are very volatile, right? One bad outing can completely diminish, um, you know, your, your seat, your first quarter results. These guys have only thrown 15 to 20 innings really at this point in the season. So, uh, you know, a body of work in the first quarter, in my mind for a reliever needs to encompass a ton of strikeouts and not very many runs given up, right? The best reliever to this point in terms of strikeouts in the league is Alexis Diaz. He is the brother of Edwin Diaz, and he has absolutely dominated uh, thus far in, you know, this early portion of the season, right? And and he's locked down nine games for the Reds uh, with a a 17.40 K per nine, which translates to 29 strikeouts in 15 innings, uh, which is absurd, right? It's... A, a rate that is, you know, among the best strikeout rates in all of baseball. He's going to, you know, be really dominant every time he comes in. He also hasn't allowed a home run yet. And for relievers, home runs are kind of the worst thing you can possibly allow, right? It's automatically giving up a run. This is continuing a dominant stretch last season that Alexis Diaz showed. Uh, and it's showing that his bloodline is just like his brother's right now. Uh, Yenier Cano is not closing down those games in Baltimore, right? He might not even be the best reliever on his own team with Felix Bautista there locking down games and, and also striking out guys that are at a clip of almost two per inning. So, um, you know, I, I where I'm at is I want strikeouts. I want whiffs. Alexis Diaz sitting on on a ton of strikeouts, a ton of whiffs. He's not giving up hard contact. He's got no home runs allowed. I'm sitting on Alexis Diaz, and I'm excited about it. And I think he's you know making a case for being you know one of the best relievers in the NL Central, if not the majors. Did we lose him? We can't hear you. No, no, you. I don't, Matt. I made my argument already. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we did. It's you, Chief. Oh, uh, like I said, if I was distracted, sorry. Um, You know, it's hard to go wrong with either one of these guys. It it comes down to, do you want the dominant closer or do you want the dominant setup guy who basically came out of nowhere this year? We've seen it with Diaz before. Cano basically came out of nowhere. His problem in his career has been walks, hasn't walked a batter. You mentioned Diaz hasn't given up a homer. Cano hasn't given up a run altogether this year. Um, not striking out quite as much, but pitching a few more innings, uh, probably because he is the, the setup guy rather than the closer for a team that's actually competitive there uh, in Baltimore over Cincinnati. I think this one's got to go towards Cano. Um you know, just not having given up a run so far and basically coming out of nowhere. And he was a piece that they got back while they were trading their closer last year. I think it's a really good feel good story here. And Cano not having given up a run altogether or walked anybody as well, while also having 10 strikeouts per nine. I think that kind of gives him a little bit of the edge there. One, one more note on Cano is a 74% ground ball rate. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. It's pretty good. Uh, so Matt, you won that one. So you're up two one so far. Not that it's really a competition, but maybe Matt will make now. a better lawyer so far than David. <laughs> uh, but uh, he, he made such a good argument, I didn't even remember he made it. Uh, so let's go ahead and go over to rookie of the year. So David, who do you got for rookie of the year? Yeah, I'm going with uh, James Outman uh, of the Dodgers, and you know this is a guy who has come onto the scene with. 
a bit of a high strikeout rate, right? He's got some negatives. He's got some things he definitely needs to work on. But what's made James Outman so good is that he's been able to play all three outfield positions for the Dodgers. He's been able to, you know, fill in the gap that Cody Bellinger left in center field uh, for the Dodgers last season. And then he's also put together a slash line of 265, 359, 544 for what is what a 900 OPS, a 145 WRC plus, you know, 1.5 wins above replacement. He's playing great defense. He's walking a lot. He's got a 10% walk rate. This is a, a plate approach that I think can be sustainable. You know, he, he's got a lot of whiffs right now, but being able to anchor this Dodgers lineup has been really, really helpful for the Dodgers to where, you know, we before the season thought the Dodgers maybe were on the downtrend, but because of James Outman's, you know, breakout early in the season so far, I think that this is a big, big part of why the Dodgers are leading the NL West right now. And to me, that's what makes, uh, you know, James Outman, the best rookie this season, uh, because, you know, the other rookies that we've talked about, like our favorite for the, the rookie of the year, Corbin Carroll, you know, the, his, he's made a good impact on his team, right? But they're still behind the Dodgers. James Outman's been able to keep the Dodgers up and first in the NL West at this point in the season. Yeah, so I went with Corbin Carroll, and the reason that I went with Corbin Carroll is because I think when you look at a lot of the underlying metrics, he's actually been better. Uh, I think uh, James Outman's been awesome, and it's been a lot of fun to see a guy uh, who has, um, you know, who kind of came out of nowhere to a certain extent. I know a lot of Dodgers fans liked him, but, you know, around baseball, he was not a super high-rated prospect and stuff. But but James Outman is whiffing a ton, 33% strikeout rate in um, – you know, and and really a 368 batting average on balls in play too. His expected slugging is like 423. His expected batting average 229. But Corbin Carroll has been very as advertised, and that's kind of one of the things with him is he's kind of come. You know, he's he's got a huge pedigree. He's come up. He's he's surpassed expectations for his rookie year. Um, he's cut his strikeout rate. And to the end of the major leagues this year, his walk rate's really good. He's stealing tons of bases, 10 stolen bases on the season, 124 WRC plus. He's getting on base. He's running on base. And, uh, you know, he's playing, you know, a, a decent defense. He's, he's still got some work to do. Defensive metrics are kind of fuzzy, though, because last year he was insanely good defensively in 20 in 32 games. So it's early on those defensive metrics. But. Um, he's been, um, he's been as advertised and I really like what I've seen from him. Um, you know, his expected numbers are great and I think he's going to end up being, you know, the best of the, the rookie class this year, long term. So I'm going to pick him as my, my rookie of the, my rookie of the, uh, of the month. He also, he's having to carry that team to, to a certain level. I mean, there's other good players there, but like, he's kind of the guy, whereas James Outman's just kind of another guy for the Dodgers where they have Betts and Freeman and Muncie and all these guys. So. I'm about like, to pick uh, my like, my like, second Diamondbacks player of the week in a row, but go on. <laughs> I'm just saying, I literally well. am. You guys not picked a Diamondback last week as well, if I'm not. Yeah, mind. yeah. There's there's um, been three Diamondback player of the weeks in the last two weeks, but okay. But um, you know when when we're looking at it all together, um, you know. Altman has more homers. He has more runs. He has more RBIs. Doesn't have as many steals. He is striking out more. Um, but they have relatively close to the same on base percentages. Uh, Carroll has a little bit higher of average. Outman is slugging a little bit more, even if his expected numbers are a little bit lower. It's translating right now. He has the higher WRC plus, and he, even if it is a small sample size, he has 
the better defensive metrics so far. And he's been worth, you know, 1.5 war where Carroll's only been close to one so far this year. I think at the end of the year, if we're looking at it, it might be a different story. But so far, as of right now, I think the best rookie off, off all those stats and the arguments, I think it's James Altman. Um, so I guess, it's, what are we, 2-2 two, two now? Yeah, it's 2-2. Two, two. And it's good to remember that expected stats are useful for determining whether uh, the results a player has gotten are kind of warranted and may continue going yeah. forward. But the results are the results, right? Like he's done very well. And it's not like the expected stats can't really take away from the, what he has done. It's just saying maybe he won't be as good going forward, which I think is fair, right? I mean, yeah. but this is the, this is the first quarter and that's what he did in the first quarter. Yeah. I, I think it's incredibly fair. I mean, this where the Homer bias parts going to come in. I, I, I expect that to tail off a little bit with, yeah. with Outman, but so far, I think the level that he's played up to has been more impressive than what we would have expected. It, it reminds me if it reminds me a lot of Jock Peterson's first season with the Dodgers yeah. where he was like insanely good, hitting a lot of home runs, you know, having a, and then like the second half of that season, he was not good. I don't think Outman will end up being like the second half of the Jock Peterson rookie year, yeah. but like I think it's kind of a similar situation there. Mm-hmm. The one, the one thing that that Outman doesn't have is that he doesn't get to hit the Cubs pitching again. So yeah. you know that might that might hurt him going forward. <laughs> he killed the Cubs, man. He was so good. He still gets to go to Coors. Oh, they haven't there made a trip there yet. So, uh, so let's go ahead, and I think that's all the players uh, that we've had so far. So let's go ahead and go to the teams. Uh, aspect of it and Matt who do you have for your most surprising team so far so my most surprising team and it's kind of I was kind of struggling with it but I'm, I picked them anyways and it's the Rays I think we all expected the Rays would be at least a, a decent team this year like we thought they'd be you know they'd be fine but like we didn't expect this they're 31 and 11 they lead the majors in war with position players by six war and their pitching has been even though they've been injury ravaged their pitching has been extremely good too like their pitching is is eighth in the in the majors in war even though they've had like three of their starting rotation members out for pretty much the whole year i mean glass now hasn't pitched springs got hurt early rasmussen's missed a lot efflin's missed a lot like and they've still been a top 10 pitching staff while having like an insanely good offense and they're playing in the toughest division in baseball although their first couple weeks schedule was pretty weak like they're playing in the toughest division in baseball they're 31 and 11 they're they have a monster lead in that division right now like i don't think anybody could have expected the that the Tampa Bay Rays would be this good. They have a 120 run differential. Like that is just absolutely insane. And I think that a lot of the other surprise teams, teams like the Orioles, the Diamondbacks, some of these teams, like we, we thought there was a world where they could be what they are, but I don't think there was a world where we thought the Rays would be 31 and 11 and just this freaking good, especially offensively. Like they're just insane. Yep. The Rays have been much better than I think anybody anticipated, but you know, for as dominant as the Rays have been, they are they were still picked to be third in the AL East, and the Orioles were picked to be fourth in the AL East, and they are the only team in the AL East that's maintaining ground with the, the Tampa Bay Rays to this point. They're 26 and 15, which would put them as the number two team in the American League, which is absolutely insane. But this is a team led by Adley Rutschman getting, you know, 
rock solid performance from him getting ab, you know electric elite performance from Cedric Mullins getting really really good starts from guys like T- Tyler Wells who are just coming out of absolutely nowhere to perform well and then same for Yenier Cano who we've already talked about to me the the race success is not un like not un impossible right it wasn't crazy because the Rays have been to a World Series in the last three years. I mean, this is a good team. We knew it was a good team. We just didn't know how good it would be. And there's some injury issues and whatnot. You know, we don't pick them to make the playoffs. We didn't make the pick the Orioles to make the playoffs either. And right now, they're the the number one and number two teams in the American League. So to me, it's more surprising that Baltimore has been able to do this without the pitching to this point. I mean, they just they haven't had it. Grayson Rodriguez got absolutely shelled yesterday, right? And he was supposed to be one of those guys who could come up and maybe anchor that rotation. He hasn't been that yet. And, you know, I, I feel like the Orioles are, you know, have another gear, right? I mean, as we get towards the trade deadline, the Orioles, the Rays, they're going to get better. But the Orioles are the type of team that has the, the farm system that can absolutely go crazy. I love where the Orioles have put themselves to this point. And to be the second best team in the American League, which is kind of objectively the better division at this point, they're the better league at this point in the season. I mean, they have, you know, and they're also number two in the AL East, which is five teams above 500 right now. Um, I'm thrilled with the Orioles start to this point, and, and I'm easily making my case for them to be the most surprising team of the season so far. Yeah, out of the two, I mean, we always talk about... Uh, never doubt the Rays, and we doubted them a little bit coming into the year, and they've proved us wrong all the way around. We came into the year also saying, or e- even at the end of last or the trade deadline last year, we we thought the the Orioles were selling off, and that you know we didn't like that, and then they didn't make any of the big moves this off season that we thought they should have made, uh, and we were like, well, you know, they're just going to stick into this thing where they're going to get through this year and then maybe make the next move and, and wait for the guys to keep developing. Uh, and then you look at them sitting here in the second in the American league and a guy like Gunnar Henderson has provided them 0.2 war so far. He's batting 180, uh, you know, a 95 WRC plus, and they're able to do it with, you know, with him who was supposed to be one of their big key contributors this year. And then even on their pitching side, you mentioned Yenny or Cano, you mentioned, we've mentioned Felix Batista, like their most valuable starter has been Kyle Gibson. Uh, I mean, Tyler Wells is, is not far behind, but like outside of those two, I mean, the, the pitching staff that they've been working with, it, it's really no namers, even compared to what Tampa has been able to do with, um, you know, Shane McClanahan, Springs before he went down, Rasmussen before he went down, Eflin, now that he's come back, has been really good. Um, and we know their hitters. I mean, we've mentioned Wander, you know, Yandy Diaz has been, a baseball savant, you know, God for a couple of years, and he's turned it in up even more this year. I think the most surprising team so far, I think it's the Baltimore Orioles, just because of the fact that if you said even at the first quarter mark they were going to be the second best team in the American League, I think people would say, okay, you're smoking something. But if you said the Tampa Bay Rays were going to be the best team in baseball, I don't think anyone would act all that surprised at the end of the day. Now, by how much they were the best team in baseball, by run differential wise, that might be surprising. But even then, it's only by four games over the Baltimore Orioles. And I think at the end of the day, if you would have said even then, they're the best team by four games over the Orioles, people would be like, oh, the Orioles are only four games back. So I think it's them at the end of the day. So I think, David, you are win this one. So I think, what is it, 3-2 right now? Yeah, I got one in the bank because I know where the next one's going. 
All right. So, Matt, uh, what is your mis- most disappointing team so far? <laughs> so, my, my most disappointing team, and I mean, I've got, first off, I got to pick second on every single one of these. So, the <laughs> fact that it's only three to two is not that I'm, I'm honestly proud of myself for making it that close. But because the team that David picked, I I, I would have that's the team I would have picked. But uh, so you're saying we need to and I think for a snake draft next. Time. We needed a snake draft. But, um, <laughs> I intentionally took the people that were not like leading in war. Like I was I was actively going out to yeah. get some interesting people to talk. About. Yeah, and then and then but. you take the most disappointing team in the last long time is. But anyways, he's not um, even gonna pick this team. Come on, you got the right. You got the right. You got okay. the. You know, I got the. Bu- I, I might pick. have the. I might have the bias. Objection. I'm, wait, I'm, wait, I'm the judge. How can I object? Okay. So, so, <laughs> so the disappointing team for me has been the San Diego Padres. They have. They went out and they spent a ton of money on actual upgrades, unlike just kind of rebuilt. You know, bringing back the same roster they had with a one for one swap. But they went out. They got a bunch of upgrades. And and to be honest, the upgrades they've made over the last since last trade deadline have actually not been that bad. Like their two best players have been the upgrades they've gotten in the last you know half season. Xander Bogarts has been good, and Juan, and Juan Soto has been good. Um, but this team's been disappointing. They're twenty and twenty two so far this year, uh, which is not great. Uh, I believe they're in. They're at least in third place. I think they're still in third place with. The, the Giants are really kind of breathing down their necks now, but for third place. But uh, they've just been disappointing. Everyone was picking them to win the World Series this year, and they've been really rough. Uh, the pitching has not de- not done well. Um, Hugh Darvish has been fine. Michael Walker has actually been pretty good. But, man, some of their rotation guys that they were counting on, Musgrove has been hurt most of the year, and since he's come back, he has not been great. Um, has a 663 ERA in his first four starts, and – Blake Snell has been horrible this year. 461 ERA, a 526 FIP, and that's in he's walking 14% walk rate, which like if you were looking at hitters, like you would consider that like an elite hitting walk rate for a batter, and he's just letting everybody have that. So like this team, you know, their bullpen's been kind of a mess. Uh Juan Soto's finally got going, but like Manny Machado has looked he, he's not played well. He's not been good at the plate and he's like if you look at some of his expected numbers, his stat cast numbers, they have not been good. He has really looked rough this year so far. And, like, their depth is just isn't there. Like, Trent Grisham's been bad again. Cronenworth has been pretty rough. Like, I mean, you look at the, you know, the, the guys they brought in, like Nelson Cruz, Matt Carpenter have both been really bad. Like, they just, this team's not got a lot of depth. The rotation's kind of shaky. And outside of Bogart, Soto, and Tatis, who finally came back and is playing pretty well, like, they just haven't been great. So, uh, this a team that everyone was picking to win the World Series, being pretty meh, being below 500, like you know, being in third place at this stage of the season, it's pretty disappointing. So I, I went with the Padres. Let's let's take let's grab some numbers. All right. So for the Padres in from Spotrac, they have the third highest MLB payroll this season with a 245 million dollar payroll. What if I told you there was a team that spent $100 million more to have the exact same record through 42 games in the season? And that, my friends, is the New York Mets. And they have done it 
without having disappointing performances on their offense. Now they have a couple of guys who are, who are disappointing or performing kind of disappointing, but Brandon Nimmo, who they spent a ton of money on has a 142 WRC plus. He's been very, very good. Francisco Lindor has kind of gone back to having that kind of bad luck where he was just a little bit above league average a couple of years ago um, before last season's kind of resurgent season. Uh, but he's playing good defense. He's being a very valuable player for the team. And Pete Alonso is number two right now in baseball in home runs, right? But this is a team that has World Series aspirations. They spent 80, they're spent they spending $87 million on two pitchers in their rotation, and those pitchers have thus far pitched, I think, six games. So you're, <laughs> you're looking at what, it, what seems to be the same level of disappointment, where the, the Mets absolutely have World Series aspirations. They have an owner who is wanting to spend money to get to the World Series, and they are a team that is completely unable to get to first in their division and is going to have to be fighting for a wild card all the way through this season. Uh, this is the, the worst possible start for a team that's spending $345 million on their roster and getting absolutely... No good performances from their pitching staff. I, I I just can't. There's there's just no one else because no one else is spending this much money. Like the New York Yankees are the number two payroll, and and thus far, I mean, you you could have picked the New York Yankees for this, um, but you know, for me, the the gap between the Mets, the Yankees, and the Padres is just so vast, right? I mean, a hundred million dollars that's more than uh, eight teams' payrolls this season. So, and that's how much more the Mets are spending than the Padres. So for me, it's the Mets. It's easy. And I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel because Scherzer's been hurt. Verlander just got back and had a clunker in amongst a good start. It, it, and they haven't had any other pitcher step up, right? Everybody else has been bad. So I am very, very worried about the Mets going forward. Yeah, this one is, it's an interesting topic because like David said, the, the, amount of money that the, the Mets have spent for the same record of what the Padres have spent, who were also one of the big spenders of the off season um, and figure to be coming forward or going forward as well. Um, I feel like the most disappointing out of the two so far have been the Mets. And that's just, I guess you could say, because we told them the injuries like we're going to happen. Like everyone laughed, like, okay, you're, you're going super risky here. We understand it's Scherzer and it's Verlander, but at the end of the day, they're 40, 40 plus year olds who have had injury histories in the past and you're guaranteeing all this money to them. And even Jose Quintana, who is also out and injured as well, who hasn't even pitched one game for them. Uh, and you didn't get any depth to back that up. Uh, whereas in the Padres, like I feel like their bad luck has been, or, or their disappointing has been Machado not really stepping it up to be the player that he was last year. I feel like all of the other guys that they've kind of brought in have not been terrible. Like Soto's been turning it around recently. And before they put the stupid crying Kershaw thing on the, the board, scoreboard, like they've lost seven of nine since doing that there. And five of those losses are against the Dodgers. Like, I feel like it's totally different if they hadn't just faced the five of the nine there. And this record was, you know, not having faced the team who has been their kryptonite in the regular season. I mean, the Dodgers have owned the Padres in the regular season and the Padres obviously knocked them out in the playoffs last year. There was high expectations for a team that was to win the world series or whatever. Um, but I feel like the Mets are a team that we 
said should be better. They are going to go all or out or, you know, all or nothing. And it's really showed up nothing so far. So I, I think that the Mets are actually the more disappointing team than the Padres so far. Woo. <laughs> hey, just, just to chime in real quick. If, I don't know if y'all have looked at Manny Machado's baseball savant page, but it is a lot of blue. A lot of blue. Lots of blue. Well, Aaron Otto's was a lot of blue two weeks ago, and all it took was one hot streak, and now it's not. So I, I, I trust – I, I refuse to believe that one bad month equals player bad now um, in, in these. So yeah, Manny I mean, Machado's uh, Manny Machado's on a Hall of Fame trajectory rather easily at this point. I, you know, I, I don't think now now that he's age 30, what, 32, he's bad. Eh, eh. Yeah. He, he'll be all right. The, Anything else? No, I was just going to say that the thing about Manny Machado is that there were some signs last year that he was – not, I mean, he, he had a great year last year, don't get me wrong, but there were some signs that there were some red flags starting to show up a little bit, especially late. Like, his chase rates went way up and stuff. He started striking out more. And then this year, like, his quality of contact has been really bad, too, to go along with it. I, but it's not, you know, it, it, we're not doing an Andy Machado episode, so. Uh, so let's go ahead and jump over to the uh, the miscellaneous version or miscellaneous things. I don't want to go up to the we'll, we'll hit injuries at the end if we have the time for it. But um, a couple interesting things in the miscellaneous uh, part. Yuri Perez uh, was what was he was top ten prospect in baseball, yes. if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, was he's 20 years old for the Marlins. Everyone was expecting that he's going to be up probably next year or the year after. And where was he? Was he in double A? I think. Double, yeah, he was double A. Uh, yeah. We called him up from double A on Wednesday of last week to start on Thursday uh, out of nowhere. Pretty much. He had had a, a you know, pretty good start to the double A season uh, so far, only having a two thirty two ERA, but got called straight up to the majors and made his debut on, on uh, Thursday and four and two thirds innings, gave up a couple runs. Uh, showed all the flashes in the world, but uh, what were you guys' thoughts about you know Yuri Perez getting called up out of nowhere and, and coming in? Yeah, I absolutely love Yuri Perez. I think he's the best out of all the prospects that the Marlins have had pitching wise in the last few years. I mean, this guy for somebody who's six eight has such good control of his body, and he throws lots of strikes. And at least he has in the minor leagues. Um, and I think he's going to be really, really good. I was surprised they called him up as early as they did. He's only 20 years old, and uh, but he he looks like he's going to be the the real deal. And if you add him to Sandy and Luzardo, like my God, that rotation is that top three is nasty. If he hits like we think he might, yeah, I, I love Yuri Perez. I think he's the type of starting pitcher that can you know transform a team. He can have that ace ceiling but it's early and you know, he gave up some runs in this, this last start. I think he's definitely going to give up more runs. Like he's going to go through his rookie struggles, but he was nasty, man. He has a wipeout slider that, that has just so much movement to it. Um, you know, that's a guy who can, and he can touch triple digits. He's gross. I was gonna say, he's like, if you took Yanni, Yanni or Cano, who we were talking about earlier and you, made him a starter and he was able to do that for like the whole game. Like that's the type of stuff he has. I'm not saying he'll be able to repeat that, but you know, with the walks and stuff, but like that's the type of potential we have here. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's, it's a big time deal and it, it's good to see those prospects get called up early and, and be able to have, um, you know, a shot at a, at a 
decent season in the major leagues at least. Um, so one of the other things that we had happened this week was Zach Grinky, um, which I never even knew this was a, th- a thing really until it happened. Uh, the fifth pitcher ever in major league baseball history to strike out 1000 different batters. Um, and if you're asking who the other four are, uh, they happen to go by the name of Nolan Ryan, Randy Johnson, Greg Maddox, and Roger Clemens. Uh, so, you know, just some scrubs to be thrown in with. <laughs> that is some incredible company. I mean, that's, that's just a, another feather in Zach Granke's cap. I mean, you know, we'd like to talk about the Hall of Fame a good bit. I would say Zach Granke's maybe one of the more easy locks to get into the Hall of Fame because he's the type of guy who's never, you know, bothered anybody. I don't think there's anybody who watches baseball who doesn't like Zach Granke uh, to some extent and has, you know, knows who he is and has enjoyed watching him pitch before and, you know, it, it's only, you know, it's literally going to be, in my mind, the minimum weight for him. He, he's got to be first ballot just because of, you know, all he's done for, for both Kansas City, the Dodgers and, and all these teams that he's played on. Uh, you know, this is a this is a guy who deserves all the accolades and it's cool to see him get that kind of recognition. Yeah, I agree. That record is really, really impressive because it not only does it mean he's I mean, for one thing, most major league pitchers don't get to a thousand strikeouts against anybody, um, and you know the fact that he is able to get to two thousand or a thousand different hitters is is awesome. It, it shows longevity. There had to be a lot of different guys, a lot of time periods between him starting in two thousand four and still pitching at age thirty nine in twenty twenty three, um, and the fact is, like I know interleague play probably helped with that, but like you know, because because a lot of the you know really old time pitchers didn't have that advantage of the second half of the league but like that that's just uh, such an incredible record for Zach Greinke like just um pitch for different teams he's always been so good you know as David said definite first ballot hall of famer and um you know to be mentioned with those guys I mean is is incredible so uh good for Zach Greinke um I don't know if there's I mean he he theoretically I think could get to yeah he's got a chance at getting to 3,000 strikeouts um he's got to get 86 more to get to 3,000 so we'll see if he's able to do that this year it's gonna be tough he's not striking out a lot of guys these days but maybe he can get there so um we'll see but uh Zach Granke is awesome and he's also the type of guy who if he's like one short he's doesn't care like (laughs) it's Zach Granke everyone loves him yeah I don't know if you guys saw the interview of like when after that game when he didn't even realize like what was happening like it happened i think it was like the last out of the inning and he like walked back to the dugout and was just like going through his thing and everyone kept coming up saying like congratulations congratulations and he's like for what like what happened <laughs> and they're like you struck out like a thousand different batters in your career he's like that's a thing <laughs> like he didn't even know like it was even yeah. a thing um, and even to say, like, we've talked about, you know, obviously his longevity here, but if you look at his career strikeout rate, it's like eight strikeouts per nine. It's not like he has a, yeah. you know, a ton of strikeouts. Like he's one of these guys averaging 10 or 12 strikeouts per, per nine. Like he's just a good pitcher overall. And to be able to still strike out a thousand different batters in company with those guys outside of probably Greg Maddox, who, you know, you don't know for being the high velocity type guy, um, and more of just the the command location type. Like, you don't really think of, you know, that for a guy like Zach Grinky. So it's it's an incredibly 
interesting stat that even I didn't even really know of until it happened there. Um, so very, uh, very interesting for Grinky. And uh, I think he absolutely makes the Hall of Fame as well. But uh, probably the most interesting topic that we'll probably have on the, the show this week is that I think it's we talked about the blackouts last week and what Major League Baseball needs to do to help spread the game. Uh, well, the Cleveland Guardians announced uh, this week that they have made a deal with Fubo TV to be the primary streaming service of the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, so I think this is a thing we're definitely going to see Major League Baseball and teams heading this way as well. You'll have their cable deal, and then you're going to have a streaming service that's going to pay to have the exclusive rights to that uh, team as well. Um, you know, obviously you'll still be able to get it through like major league baseball or whatever, but, uh, I, I mean, what do you guys think of it? I think it's incredibly interesting. I don't know. It really helps the blackout type deal, um, thing about it, but if more people are going towards streaming, I mean, it's another way to help your, your service get more customers, I guess. It's a step in the right direction, right? Like we need more options, Fubo is actually my TV provider because that's the only way I can get marquee. They're the only ones who carry it in our area that have like an online streaming service that can stream the cable. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things where this is the right step, right? This is the way teams need to go. They need to provide their uh, options to providers directly so that we can kind of circumnavigate the streaming service blackout stuff. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm with you on to a certain extent. Um, I think that as long as it's an additional option to, you know, I think it's great. Uh, the only thing that worries me is that these major league teams start signing with different streaming services and making them exclusives on there, where you know someone might need YouTube TV for certain, you know, for for general programming and stuff. Then they, you know, the the Braves are exclusive to Fubo, and it's like, well, I don't want to pay for two different ones, and you know, it's that kind of thing that I think can get worrisome for me because, you know, there's a lot of different options out there. And, um, you know, it's frustrating when, you know, one's got deals with certain channels and another has deals with certain channels. And by the time you end up paying for all these different streaming services, you end up spending more money than you would spend on just getting a satellite dish or getting cable or something. So, uh, but if they're kind of all, if they, if they kind of sign with all the different ones, then it's, and have more options, then I think that's the best case scenario is there's just more options out there. So, uh, I guess it'll be interesting to see which direction this goes and, uh, what other teams might, uh, might deal with this. I think that Cleveland maybe was one of the ones hit hardest by the Bally sport thing, if I'm not mistaken. So that might be part of why they did this right now. Um, you know, I, know yeah. I think the Reds were hit really hard by it too. But, um, you know, some other markets have better TV ratings who haven't been quite hit quite as hard by that yet. But uh, I think the, the Guardians have been hit pretty hard by that. So, Yeah, and it says – I want to see if I can find it real quick. Um, it says that the Guardians were the second team to be on Fubo. So I'm not sure who the – maybe it was the Cubs, actually, now that David was, was saying that. Maybe it was uh, – it is the Cubs. Uh, so, I mean, it's an interesting way. We'll see what it looks like moving forward, um, for that. But, um, I guess real quick, we'll just hit on the, the little injury news. You heard us talk about, uh, Drew Rasmussen. Uh, he has a flexor strain. Uh, sounds like it's going to be a long-term injury. Not sure that he's going to need Tommy John. I think that's going to be avoided at the moment. 
uh, but he was put on the 60-day uh, IL, so another hit to that Tampa Bay uh, raised rotation. I hate it, dude. He he was having a really good start to the season. I Did I have him as my player of the week at one point? I want to say I did um, because he, he just has gone crazy early in the season there. I mean, it, it, still to this point, and he's, he's going to start missing starts right now, but he was 14th in war with 1.4, tied with guys like Eduardo Rodriguez, Justin Steele, Clayton Kershaw. So, you know, he was off to a really, really strong start. I would say Tampa Bay is going to miss him, but they're about to get Tyler Glass now back. Like, I, I think that they'll be all right, but it, it's a shame for Drew Rasmussen. He was right about to establish himself as one of the better, you know, pitchers in the league. Yeah. I mean, Tampa Bay is going to miss him because they might get Glass now back, but they're also still missing Springs. And, I mean, Glass now is kind of, well, Glass is kind of part of his name, and it also describes him a little bit. So, um, and then you've got like Shane Baz has been out and Eflin's been banged up at times this year. Like they've got a, they've had a pretty big rash of pitching injuries, um, so far. And, uh, you know, Rasmussen going out doesn't help, help them at all. But, uh, as long as their offense continues to perform while the, like they have, and, and they don't lose, you know, and, and Rasmussen comes back eventually, I think they'll be all right. But, um, it definitely, uh, definitely a bummer for them to have so many injuries. And I mean, that division is still, there's enough good teams there. Like, I mean, even though they've had this insane start and they've been so good, like they could still, I mean, there's a, there's enough good teams there. Someone could, could, could definitely is within range of catching them. It's not like they're doing this in the central where like, there's just pretty much zero chance anybody catches that record. Like they're, they're still, you know, one of those other teams is going to get hot at some point. And, and it could be, I mean, the Orioles are, like you mentioned earlier, they're only like four games behind them right now. But, I mean, the, Ray, the the Yankees or the Blue Jays could get hot too, and maybe even the Red Sox, you never know. But um, those teams are all really good. So it does hurt them a lot, but, you know, we'll see. Hopefully he's able to come back strong from it. Yeah, the other one was, um, David, you might not you might know more about this, but C.J. Crone got put on the I.L. as well. Um, do you, you know more about that one? Yeah, he he has back, uh, chronic back spasms at this point. So, you know, another guy who's is kind of similar to Anthony Rizzo, where it's gonna just bother him all the time. And uh, I what I saw is that you know they're gonna. It, it's not really that impactful overall to to Major League Baseball, but at least for Rockies fans, right? CJ Crone's been probably one of their best players the last three three or so years, and uh, you know, top three players on teams seem like the type to cover. So you know back spasms for Crone and hopefully he gets better soon. He wasn't actually off to a very good start. He had a good first couple of weeks, but you know, he's yeah. been, he's been down. I think, and I think it's directly related to the back spasms. Yeah. He's been, he's been really bad. And I mean, last year he wasn't very good either. So it's, I mean, he's, you know, it's course filled and, but I mean, I hate to see him get hurt. So, um, but man, I bet the Rockies are, they operate in such a weird way. I bet they're kicking themselves for not trading him when they could have in 2021. They could have gotten a lot for him at the deadline, but then they instead signed him to an extension, and he has not been very good. And now he's got a chronic injury, although he's a free agent at the end of this year. But, um, you know, sucks to see. You know, I hope he comes back strong and is able to fight through the back spasms. It's not a fun injury for baseball players. Yeah, and it's a lot harder to recover from things in Colorado as well. So, yeah. Um, we don't need to talk about the other one. No, we can talk about that one later. Uh, but let's go ahead and jump over to players of the week so far. So David, who do you have for your player this week? 
Yeah, I've got Dominic Fletcher, who you might not know who that is. Uh, uh, listener at home, Dominic Fletcher is an outfielder for the Arizona Diamondbacks. And over the last week, he has 11 RBIs. He's kind of taken up the mantle for Lourdes Gurriel, who's my player of the week last week. I just thought it would be fun to, to take another Diamondbacks outfielder because they just keep they keep performing really well. <laughs> Dominic Fletcher's hit 417 last week. He has 833 slugging, hit two home runs. Like, and, and with the Diamondbacks winning games and they're maintaining a very strong hold on second in the division and uh, the number one wildcard slot in the National League. Um, it feels appropriate to continue to provide my player of the week to a Diamondbacks player. And it's it's good to get Dominic Fletcher some love. You know, this was a guy who I think he's 26 now. He's, he's a little bit older. He's He wasn't much of a prospect, but a high contact guy that can play center field. And uh, he doesn't going to walk a lot. He's not going to be this type of superstar player. But I mean, this season, he's been very, very good for the Diamondbacks. Uh, in this kind of spot role as their fourth outfielder. And, uh, you know, he was the type of guy when before the Cubs signed Cody Bellinger. I wanted them to trade for Dominic Fletcher. I, I'm really excited that he's having a, some success at the major league level. Um, and the Diamondbacks have a plethora of really good outfielders right now. So they're kind of drowning in riches. But it, it's cool to see that, that uh, you know, another guy is having some good success over there in Arizona. Yep, Team Italy legend Dominic Fletcher, also bro- brother of David Fletcher. Yeah, he is. He, yeah, David Fletcher's brother. Yep. Um, what's that? Is that its interesting connection? Yeah, for sure, for sure. But uh, guy I went with for my player of the week was Nolan Arenado, who had been horrible until last week, in which he has been insane. So uh, last week he's hit four, he had hit four home runs until tonight, where he had hit his fifth tonight of the week. Um, he has, uh, hit 440 with a 444 on base. He only walked like once or twice. Uh, and then he slugged a thousand, um, and he's continued to play his typical defense. Nolan Ardano even stole a base this week, which is unusual for him. He's not very fast. So, uh, good for him and, uh, great week for him. He needed it. He'd been really scuffling and his league, uh, his season stat line has now, back above league average which is pretty crazy compared to where he was you know like a week week or two ago and uh you know compare that you know prepare that up with his defense and you're looking at a guy who is once again really 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 good so uh you know it's good to see him get back on the same on this normal trajectory and um you know we'll uh, we'll see if he's able to keep it up going forward there were some things in his stat cast data that were really red flags and I mean, he hasn't totally flipped those around, but it definitely has been an encouraging sign this week. Yeah, I think we all knew that at some point Arenado would turn it around. Like he wasn't going to go from being a, a MVP finalist last year to be an under league average as a hitter. Um, so it's good to see that he's finally turned it around. There was kind of signs that maybe he was dealing with an injury, but this looks like a good sign that maybe he he wasn't after all, or or that has subsided enough. Uh, funny. The guy. Oh, go ahead. No, no, good. I was going to say, it's funny if you click on 2021, the, the, the balls don't move at all for 2023. It's They're very, very similar. So he's at least back to what he was at that point yeah. it, thus far. Yeah. And we, we, we know it's going to be, he was going to be good. Um, the guy that I went with, though, is Michael Conforto from the Giants. He also hit four homers this week, batted 364, 462 on base, a 268 WRC plus, half win. Um, Half or 0.6 war, Jesus. Um, 
you know, a guy who he only has a 235 Babbitt this week, but he's a guy who's coming off that major shoulder injury, you know, missed all of last season, was supposed to sign, you know, in the offseason, then right after the deadline and just never came around after that shoulder injury, um, you know, getting ready for the 2022 season. Uh, came back, signed with the Giants this year, has really scuffled to start the year. Um, he's shown the power here and there, but just not, not consistently. And then to be able to come out and hit four homers this week and bat 364, um, you know, I hope that it's a sign of the old Michael Conforto coming back. Cause he's one of the, one of my favorite players to watch. I think his swing is so, so nice and pure, uh, when it's right and it just hasn't been right for so long. So hopefully the, uh, hitting four homers this week is a sign that maybe Conforto's finding it again. Yeah, I definitely oh, yeah. hope. I definitely hope so. Um, I actually kind of liked that signing for them. So it's a very good signing that I hope they trade him, so then I can really like him again. <laughs> but uh, um, anything else you guys want to wrap up on here before we close the show out? Um, I, I'll just say you know we're a quarter of the way through the season. It's been a really fun season. Uh, I watched a YouTube video today. Um, it was. Um, I think it was baseball doesn't exist video about just the season so far. And man, there's been a lot that's happened and uh, just kind of summarizing everything. And, um, you know, we were talking before the show about kind of our favorite moments and, you know, like, you know, I don't think people aren't remembering too much about like opening day and when, you know, the Aaron judge hit a home run on his first at bat, you know, after signing the extension, like that's stuff people have completely forgotten about. I mean, some of the performances we've seen, so far, like it's been a really, really fun season so far. And, um, you know, quarter of the way through, um, hard to believe. And, uh, you know, it's going to keep going into the dog days here soon. And, um, well, it's a good baseball yet to be played. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, it's been a, a very fun season to this point. Um, my note was going to be the Marlins improved 13 and one in one run games tonight <laughs> with a walk off home run by Jorge Soler. So that's an incredible and all like half of those are against the Cubs. So uh, Marlins are, uh, yeah, they're, they're playing that, that uh, I think a couple of years ago, the Rangers had a, it was either the Rangers or the Mariners that had a really ridiculous record in one run games and made the playoffs. Marlins are kind of doing that right now. So we'll see if they keep it up. Yeah. I think the Orioles did at one point too, if I'm not mistaken, had a, a really good stretch of one run games there for a couple of years, but. Yeah, that's how you do it, man. That's how you got to fluke your way in. Even if your offense isn't ready yet, you know, that they've got some good players, but the pitching staff's what's going to have to carry them. And, you know, that that's, you never know. Yeah. It's weird. Sometimes some, those years, some teams just find the, the all the luck in those games. But anyways, thank you guys for tuning in to episode 126, of the Batfoot podcast, and we'll catch you guys back next week.